Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hello, everyone. The hello, friends, is you, so that's why I didn't say it. Happy March. Happy March. March. Yes. (laughs) So, yes, it's March, and we're really excited because our annual conference is happening, and one of our past guests is actually going to be a keynote speaker. So you may remember the documentary Forget Me Not. We had director Olivier Bernier, which I'm totally, I should have researched how we had said his name and how he had said his name. And I feel his, like it was so long ago when we talked to him. Oh my gosh. I've had, so, I've had a baby apologize. since then. And like, I just, yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> so give me a pass, everyone. And we had his beautiful wife, Hilda, on as well. And we spoke yeah. to them about their son, Emilio, and who the documentary is based on. They are in New York City. And we had... Yep. Such a wonderful conversation with them about their experience. And also, I mean, in the documentary, they talk to so many families and yep. talk about their experiences. So they just have such a plethora of information, of firsthand experiences, which is always great to hear. And I think it's helpful for not just people who are in the system, but people who don't understand like what this world is. So how wonderful, wonderful conversation. Yeah. 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 How impacts the families every day. And what's wonderful is that he is going to be a keynote speaker at our conference. So one, we're looking forward to that. And two, in honor of that, we wanted to drop that episode again for you guys to listen to. I think when we recorded, it had not come out yet. So that's why like we didn't talk like he obviously described it and she described but we really you know talked to them about so many different things and pushing okay. that inclusivity so we wanted to have you guys listen to it again in honor of having him and yeah we'll report back we want to do a I think we pretty much always do like a Copa download episode like we always yeah, have like a, yeah. sometimes there's new cases that yeah. like we're able to dive deeper in so we can provide a little bit more information about you know, things that are happening and, you know, whether good or bad from the courts, you know, we don't always talk about case law on this podcast because, I mean, nobody wants to let's talk about case law, let's be honest. And if you do, let us know because um, we'll do it. I would love to well, do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could definitely do it. But we do like to make sure that we bring you the newest law because while we always talk about the federal law does govern how the courts in different jurisdictions, different states and territories implement and enforce that law. And, you know, it may be different across the board. So, you know, we want to make sure to bring you the newest information. So, you know, we will give a rundown of just generalizations about, you know, what has occurred in the last year, as we always do. Absolutely. And because they are, Copa is actually also going to show the entire documentary on Friday night. So it's just like a fun way for us to kind of pay homage to that. We got him before he was cool. Now, uh, <laughs> he's doing wonderful work. It was an honor to have him and Hilda on to talk about Emilio. And we hope that you guys enjoy it for the first time, if this is the first time you're listening. And if it's the second time, I hope you enjoy it because you've seen the documentary. <laughs> yep, yep. 
All right, let's get to listening. So, you guys, welcome so much. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. Please introduce yourselves and tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves. Sure. My name is Olivier Bernier. I directed the documentary Forget Me Not. And I am Hilda Bernier. I am the mom <laughs> in the documentary. I have a background on special education and bilingual education. Olivia is uh, the filmmaker. And it's so, the Forget Me Not. I totally didn't even like say it, the Forget Me Not <laughs> documentary, which is such a powerful title. Oftentimes, you know, this population of kiddos that we advocate for are forgotten. They're historically underrepresented. And it really starts with parents like yourselves that, you know, either had the background in special education or got involved in special education and really kind of threw yourselves into it. So what came first, (laughs) the child or the special education background, or it kind of all came together at the same time? For me, uh, the, my background in special education came first. I became a teacher way before I had I got pregnant with Emilio. Then, you know, uh, once I got pregnant and I gave birth, I learned that our son had Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that moment changed the entire course of our life as family. Because, uh, we were not expecting it. We came into parenthood with a completely different set of expectations. And, you know, when he was with us, you know, all my background on special education became useful, but I'd also, as a mother, it became a little bit frightening because I knew all the flaws in the system in New York City, working in schools with high needs. So, yeah, my career became first then, then my child, and then... Once he was here, you know, I was able to use everything I knew to advocate for him. Yeah, and and myself, I knew really nothing about special education or, you know, really when our son came, I was completely unprepared for him because I never even had the opportunity to meet someone with Down syndrome. So, you know, as the first year kind of went on, I started to think about why didn't I meet anyone with a disability or Down syndrome when I was going to school? Right. Um, so that kind of led me to this idea of inclusive education and kind of exploring what it is. And then I was lucky to get a grant to make a film about it. And we set out to make a film just exploring what inclusive education was. But as we started to navigate the waters for our own son, we realized that they were pushing him towards segregation. And that largely became what the film was about. And unfortunately, we have so many kiddos in this country and and across the world that that's the reality. I mean, and we go through that conversation with people all the time. We get told, oh, well, you know, why is it that just now we're seeing so many more people with disabilities? And it's like, no, you're not. It's not like they're just coming about like we're having more, you know, individuals, more kids with disabilities. It's that you're seeing it because for so long these kids weren't even allowed in schools. They were, I mean, even just like our parents, when they were kids, people, you know, especially with Down syndrome, were getting sent to institutions. They were getting recommended that, you know, you don't even keep this child, let alone let's put him in the public school. And even now we haven't even gone that far. I mean, I would say the battle that we have for so many kids to be in general education, it's tough, but especially for our kiddos with Down syndrome. And I can tell you, because I 
started out as a, an aide for a little boy with Down syndrome in a general education class and can tell you the amazing, immense benefits for both the rest of the class and him for being in general education. So it's just so sad that it's not something that more people are aware of the benefits or even, you know, because it is so new, unfortunately. Well, I was going to just say that that's something we look at in the film pretty deeply is kind of the history of inclusive education and segregation in this country, going back to eugenics and the dismantling of institutions and how that kind of flowed into the school system. So I think, you know, a lot of people that watch the film, especially that aren't within the disabilities community, their first reaction is just, I had no idea. Right. And mm-hmm. like, when I was making the film, I had no idea either. Right. Well, I, that's what I love about the premise. Obviously, you know, inclusion, what is that? You know, we're giving opportunities, right, for not just our children with unique learning needs, disabilities to be taught alongside their non-disabled or their typical peers, but also the opportunity for people to see what is actually going on, right? So it's twofold. And that oftentimes is what we hear from parents that, you know, have had IEP meetings and things like that for a couple of years. And they're like, oh, I didn't know about this, or I didn't know, you know, like special education is so new. It's only been around since the 70s. And it is for that reason, very much the Wild West. So although each cases individualized, you know, you start to see the patterns, right? And the early on in the school to prison pipeline is something that we deal with very often. But, you know, what I kind of appreciated was being able to kind of walk the audience through in a very digestible way, right? Because oftentimes, you know, it's like... I don't know. Amanda and I have just dealt with so many school districts. Like, I hope we can still maintain like the optimism. But after this last year, the pandemic, we really were hoping that like the old way of doing things is going to be thrown out the window and we're going to, you know, embrace research and all that. And it just like it started to just go back to the that's how we've always done things. And so that's how we're always going to do it. And that's so frustrating. (laughs) But it starts with parents like you. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't think that schools would have taken this time to restructure the way things are done. But I guess we're going to have to, again, wait and see how things pan out when we get out of this. But, you know, going back to your comment about the path from school to prison is, you know, it's something that's always very heartbreaking for me as an educator and as a mother, because my experience, I was at the high school level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I had the opportunity to, to see how students that were classified to be in special classes, they got into the school being, you know, into these classes they will go and feel, they will feel ashamed. They started leading up to the stereotype of that special ed student. And, you know, that led to counterproductive behavior and truancy and all that. So, you know, that's why it's so important to like, to start breaking up these segregated classes, these segregated settings at an early age so that we can help people without disabilities to understand that not everybody has the same way of learning. And at the same time, we can help these uh, students that have disabilities to navigate the world. 
Um, and that's why it's, it's so important to start at an early age. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about the community that we're a part of. And when you're in school, a big part of your community is your school. And then when you exit school, the community gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And if we're waiting until these children get into a bigger community when they leave school at 18, I mean, that's 18 years of, you know, being exposed to a very small community and then, you know, being dropped into a bigger community that's a lot more diverse and you know, I've seen definitely firsthand how much of a benefit for younger kids when everyone, it's the idea of, well, they're just like me, like the same way that, you know, I have strengths and weaknesses. Every kid does. They're no different. And they learn that, you know, these children with disabilities are just like that. And it's, I think that's so important for just not just creating an inclusive school, but a society and a community and a world. You're absolutely right. And I think that once you see inclusion working really well, you can't unsee it. It's right. just so amazing mm-hmm. and it's so obvious. And I, I hope the film, you know, we went to the Henderson School in Boston, um, Henderson Inclusion School in Boston, and we spent a lot of time there and we just show inclusion happening. And I think that once people see that, they just, they'll, it'll change their mind on what special classes should be. You know, and one other point about the film is that we really kind of through the process discovered that special education as a term is kind of not appropriate. You know, you talk about general education and integrated settings and then a special class. And it's almost like we're branding this thing as a place where kids go to do amazing things. But really what it is, is a segregated class. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And to be able to really see the different and that's why I said that we deal with so many different populations special populations but it really can be any it could be the child that's homeless it could be the child that is an English second language learner it is like we love to categorize things as humans and you know that's why we have the 13 eligibility categories of special education and that's why we like try to like to put things in boxes but what's wonderful about inclusion is that it's not like we're asking school districts to reinvent the wheel. There are already programs in public schools. There are already charter schools. There are already private schools. There are already all these different educators out there that are able to do it. (laughs) And it's not like special, right? It just is. And I think that that is what is really important about the film is, like you said, you can't unsee inclusion. It is everywhere. It's just a matter of the people that are in that particular school or district or whatever that want it, want to make it happen and want it. And it really starts with this area of awareness. So that is what your documentary is doing, is making it aware, not just to the parents that already know, but to the parents that don't, that would see the benefit. And that's what I appreciate. And that that's something like a man and I, we can be in the realm of awareness our entire lives <laughs> with this podcast. And the change individually happens with the cases that we bring, but the real change happens because of parents like yourselves, right? That continue to advocate, that want to change the laws because the laws are good. It's just that implementation component that we often see gets kind of tossed to the wayside, which is difficult. 
Yeah, I think, you know, largely when you look at classrooms, I think it's almost an old way of thinking that schools are just about arithmetic and science and that, you know, really what we should be looking at is creating a mirror of the society we want to live in. So we want to live in a diverse society with a lot of viewpoints. So when we talk about, you know, intellectual disabilities, that's just one component of an inclusive classroom that Mm -hmm. works really well. So, you know, I hope that the film kind of helps the conversation forward and creates this paradigm shift where we stop thinking about education as only testing, you know, and think about it more as creating great humans. Right. Absolutely. There's so much more to school and to education. Education doesn't just pertain to, you know, K through 12. We are educating ourselves and other people every day on issues, whether it be, you know, diversity or, you know, climate change or science, you know, we're educating ourselves and others. And, you know, to the extent that what we see so often is many of these different programs and accommodations and supports that can be put in place through IEPs for students, in reality, benefit more students than just that are on IEPs. And if we can create programming that is more inclusive, we're actually helping every student because there's so much that we have to learn from each other because, you know, we have all these different intelligences. It's not just the reading, writing, and arithmetic. We have so much more to bring to the table, everyone. Yeah, and, you know, one thing we try to accomplish with the movie is to also give parents some encouragement to raise their voice and point out the things that they believe their children can do. Because for the most part, I mean, I don't want to generalize. I don't know how it's in other states, but at least where we were, these IEPs were worked on a deficit base. (laughs) So it's, you know, when we came into this, into these meetings, the approach was to talk about what he was not doing yep, and how he didn't fit in these parameters they had established and they mm-hmm. used for every single kid. And ironically, they don't use these parameters for children without disabilities. Some kids right. don't ever get to get an IQ test, you know? Right. So, you know, I feel like... You know, we try to guide, you know, create, a, show that with our story, show that, you know, that you have a voice that you should not settle for recommendation or a program that you don't believe is good for your child. And, you know, it's very heartbreaking how many children are being tracked from a very early age. Absolutely. At the moment we started the film, our son was two years old and change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we came into this, we were blown away by the fact that, that we couldn't, you know, that he, because of the fact that he had Down syndrome. Right. He it, was the label. Being, yeah. The label yeah, is there. And they cannot see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He yeah. was being pushed to a setting just because he had that diagnosis. So, yeah, yeah I feel like parents really need to gear up and speak up to what's best for the children. I was just going to say that, uh, you know, to that point, had I not I had a wife that was a special education teacher and had I not been making the film and learning about inclusion simultaneously, I might have taken the recommendations, even though in my heart and my gut, I knew they were wrong. I would have trusted them as professionals. Like I trust the doctor or trust any other professional. 
And then, you know, in that process, I think about parents that might have multiple jobs and don't have time to hire an advocate and bring all these people in to help. And it's just really unjust what we're doing to the children at such a young age. Absolutely. And even just so hard. Yeah. And even just with our English as second language families, right, that have actual language barriers. But I did want to hit on something as well, is that, you know, oftentimes we have so many parents that have been raising their voice, get us involved, and we're able to, for this, you know, specific child, get something in an agreement or, you know, outside of the IEP. And and the districts know these games, right? And it's very similar here in California. You know, you're looking at the deficits and, you know, you're not really taking the child in as a whole. And, and, you know, these district staff people, sometimes they go to all these IEP meetings and, you know, this is just another kid, another number. And and it is very difficult because we've had several clients where the label is just so loud and the district is just, there's no other way. This is the only way that we can service your child under the law that we're able to complete the minimum because, you know, to a certain extent, yes, there are some standards and they use that against parents, right? Even if you're like, I don't care, like the gen ed setting is for the peer modeling, they're speaking more, you know, but then the district's like, well, we have to be able to provide an educational benefit and here's, you know, and then we'll get district suing parents, right, to maintain the segregation. So, even Olivia, as you had said, like, I have a wife that like understands the language of it, but still not able to get to where you need to be without an advocate, without an expert, without all these other testing that shows, which is like, yeah, the average parent just doesn't have time for that. And Amanda and I say this all the time, our jobs shouldn't exist, but they do. And I think Amanda, you wanted to say something along those lines as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, it's so tough that these families aren't aware. You know, we think about the education system and what's been ingrained in us since we were kids, right? Is that if there's, and this is, you know, just something that I hear all the time, is if there's any governmental agency that we should really trust and back, right? Because everyone, Mm -hmm. you know, doesn't always trust the government. It's the education system. We think the school's No one goes into education not wanting the best for these kids. No one goes into it thinking about money. You know, everybody's there for the right reasons. And, you know, even the people that are there for the right reasons, there is so much red tape. It is still a governmental entity. It's, you know, there's red tape. There's so many challenges that, you know, of course, it's second nature to trust the educators and the school and think they wouldn't possibly be proposing something that isn't right. You know, but we tell parents all the time, you, you know, I think this is something that's told to parents in general is like, trust your gut. You know, you know, your child better than anyone else. And it's that applies definitely for education. We don't want to not trust the educators. And to a certain extent, you know, they're there to do a job and they're told, you know, here's this label, you need to put them in this class and some questions, some don't. And, you know, it's tough if you don't have someone there kind of giving you a different perspective or reminding you to trust your gut or giving you the empowerment to fight back, right? Because that's the other part too. Even Mm -hmm. if you know that maybe something's not right, do you have the wherewithal or the ability to fight back? Absolutely. That's true. I, you know, I myself as a parent had to, when my son arrived, had to unlearn so much that I had so much of the stigma that I had kind of gained along the way through my years and 
really having my son opened up a whole new world for me of understanding about how we value life and how we look at different people, especially people that have less than us and helping other people. And I hope that, you know, as all of us kind of fight to make the world more inclusive, I hope that we all kind of gain that same benefit that I got by having my son. And I hope the film inspires people to, even if they don't have a child with a disability, to request yep. that their child goes in an integrated setting, because that's really mm-hmm. how we're going to make that change happen. Absolutely. So where can people find the documentary? Sure. Well, right now, we're, uh, we just signed with a distributor, so we're finalizing plans, but we hope for the film to be released to the public this fall. We had our opening night. We were the opening night film for the Human Rights Watch Film Festival in New York, which was a virtual festival this year, which was actually great because people from all across the country got to see the film. And yeah. I've heard so many positive reactions to it and so many people asking questions based on the film. So the virtual thing has actually been quite great. So I hope that when the film comes out this fall, you know, people can go to our website, sign up leave their email, we'll update them on when the film comes out, or they can check our social media that we'll leave in your show notes. But I, you know, I I hope that people take away from the film or have the opportunity to watch the film and take away this idea that they can make a difference as well. Yes. (laughs) And I would, we would love to have you guys back on and maybe listeners, once the film is released, if you have questions that you would have for Hilda or Olivier, maybe we could have you guys back and then kind of talk about more in depth the story and, and how you were able to kind of breathe life into inclusion for the viewers. Yay. Well, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it, listeners. Yeah, keep an eye out on our social media. We'll definitely let you know when it drops so that you can kind of watch the film and then like let us know what questions you have and then we'll have them back on and it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Take care, you guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 Bye.